You're listening to a 1FM podcast. And after a week off because of me, we're back again. It's time for another Whatever Happened To. Hello, Steve. How are you, Josh? Good to have you back. And uh, pleased to be able to do this one because I've been waiting to do this one for probably a few weeks now. So looking forward to this. Yeah. And are you feeling better, Josh? Sort of. Yeah, I'm on the improve. The cough seems to have got a lot better the last few days. So hopefully it's on the improve. Pleased to hear that. I won't give you any strange comments during my spiel today to make you cough so you should, should oh, be right. not to but first we mentioned the cricket what a performance great effort by the boys I said to Helen and my wife Cummins won the toss and decided to bowl I thought you fool <laughs> Once again, I've been proven incorrect. It's probably better that I don't make any comments on this at all beforehand because we made them glad to silly a few times. They had no answer. They didn't have a plan B. I didn't think uh, no, that was the best Australian, I think, one-day performance I've ever seen. That final, that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, once they tried the runs up, the Indians could hit the fours if they wanted to. They didn't have another any other ideas. Well, everything against them uh, stacked in their favour and just a great performance. Yeah, well, the crowd went very quiet when Spirit went out. I never heard any noise out there at all. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Anyway, who are we talking about? Well, we've got someone that everybody will, will have heard of, I'm sure, on the program. The Everly Brothers. Yep, of course I know who the Everly Brothers are. Yeah, I don't think they would need any introduction to most people, that's for sure. I've just written at the top of my spiel here, great harmonies, and I think you'll find that a lot of people would agree with that. So let's go, let's roll. Now, of course, in this, not in the Rice's Brothers case, they were brothers. Now, Don was born on the 1st of February 1937, at a place called Brownie, would you believe, in Muhlenberg County in Kentucky, and Phil was born on the 19th of January 1939 in Chicago, Illinois, and they were born to Isaac Milford, whose nickname was Ike, Everly Jr., and Margaret Embry. Now, Margaret was only 15 when she married Ike, and he was 26. He actually worked in the coal mines, but had a great love of music, which his father encouraged him to pursue, and eventually he and his wife began to sing together. Now, the boys spent much of their childhood in a place called Shenandoah, which we've heard was a famous movie, if I recall correctly, wasn't it, Josh? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, a Western Jimmy Stewart. That's right, that's correct, and that's in Iowa, and they spent most of their childhood there from 1944 onwards. Now, Ike had a show on a local radio first with Margaret and then as a family and with inverted commas little Donnie and baby boy Phil singing as the Everly family. Then moved to Knoxville in Tennessee in 1953 and then in 1955 to Madison, Tennessee while the boys moved to Nashville. They were pursuing their musical career at that stage. Graduated from their respective schools and they caught the attention of a fellow by the name of Chet Atkins who was a country and western icon and co-founder of Bobby Inverted Commerce Nashville Sound. And he was the actual manager of RCA Victor. Now, after a Columbia recording, which was written and composed by Donald Flock and Columbia actually dumping them, Atkins introduced the boys to a fellow by the name of Wesley Rose, of ACUF Rose, A-C-U-F-F Rose, who said he would secure them a recording deal if they'd signed ACUF Rose as songwriters. That they agreed to do. Now, they then introduced to a fellow by the name of Archie Blayer, B-L-E-Y-E-R, of Cadence Records, and they recorded a song, everybody knows, Bye Bye Love, in February 1957. So I felt it appropriate this stage to give a list of about 18 or 19 songs. I know it's a big list, but I think it's worth, it's worth 
and only just how many great songs they did have. Now, with the discography, it starts with their Cadence Records releases, and 1957 was Bye Bye Love, two in the US, 14 in Australia, and six in the UK. 1957 again, Wake Up Little Susie, one in the US, three in Australia, two in the UK. 1958, All I Have to Do is Dream, one in the US, three in Australia, one in the UK. Bird Dog, two in the US, one one in Australia, two in the UK. Now, Devoted to You, which was actually the B-side to Bird Dog, was also had a singles prowess, 10 in the US and 25 in Australia. Problems, the song was two in the US, 12 in Australia, six in the UK. In 1959, still with Cadence Records, Till I Kissed You, four in the US, two in Australia, two in the UK. And Let It Be Me, seven in the US, 24 in the US, 18 in Australia and 13 in the UK. Now, they then transferred to Warner Brothers in 1960 and the first song they did there was Kathy's Clown. That was one in the US, three in Australia, one in the UK. When Will I Be Loved, eight in the US, three Australia, four. UK, so sad to watch good love go bad, 7 in the US, 19 in Australia, 4 in the UK Lucille, which is the B-side to so sad to watch good love go bad on its, on its own merits 21 in the US, 19 in Australia and 4 in the UK Like Strangers, 22 in the US 39 in Australia and 11 in the UK Walk Right Back, 7 in the US 8 in Australia and 1 in the UK Ebony Eyes, which is a B-side to Walk Right Back, so a lot of these are double-sided hits, and that was 8 in in the US, 8 in Australia and 1 in the UK. 1961, Temptation, 27 in the US, 4 in Australia, 1 in the UK. Crying in the Rain, 6 in the US, 7 in Australia, 6 in the UK. And 1962, that's old fashioned, and 9 in the US, 8 in Australia. Now look, I know that's a long list and people have been bored listening to it after a while, but just indicates how much of an influence and how big an impact uh, their music did have, reverting back to a bit more of their story. The brothers toured with Buddy Holly in 1957 and 58, and were allegedly responsible for persuading Buddy Holly's backing group to change from wearing Levi's T-shirts to wear Ivy League suits, which I think that, that they ended up doing. Now, on the Warner's Brothers label, Cassie's Clown, which was a self penned song, was their first big hit on that label and became their biggest Tell sold more than 8 million copies, but the interesting little statistic on that was that the song number was WB1, and that was the first Warner Brothers record ever released in the UK. That's an interesting piece of information. Now, by 1962, they'd reportedly earned 35 million from record sales. Now, 1961, which is believed they had a falling out with uh, Wesley Rose during the recording of Temptation, who's reportedly upset that the brothers were recording a song he had not published, meaning he would not be entitled to any royalties. I've heard that story before. Now, the end result was that they were shut up from the ACAP Rose songwriters group, including themselves and police and Bordlow Bryant, who had written and composed many of their songs. Around this time, they decided to form their own label, which was called Calio, C-A-L-L-I-O-P-E, records for their solo projects. They recorded a big band instrumental version, Edward Elger's Pomp and Circumstance. Now, I haven't heard that. That'd be quite interesting. Yeah, that would. Yeah, it charted in the 40s in the US, but nowhere else. Now, further unsuccessful instrumentals were actually followed, and mm. Phil decided at this stage to form the Keystone Family Singers, and that featured Glenn Campbell and Carol King, would you believe? But their lone single was called Melodrama and that failed to chart. Yeah, it's a wonder why I'd never heard of them. No. Well, by 1962, the record label had actually gone out of business, so it didn't last too long. Now, they've got enlisted into the U.S. Marine Corps Reserve in October 1961, and that took them out of the spotlight. And only an Ed Sullivan show appearance in 1962 was their only public appearance during that time. Now, 
following their discharge, of course, that's where they resumed their career. But between 1963 and 1970, only three songs out of the 27 made the charts. Two albums peaked at number nine, but only one had to reach the top 200. And that's obviously a lot of reasons people have forgotten who they were. And of course, the British invasion was occurring and overtaking all the American singers anyway. Now, during this time, the tour of Britain was ended because of Phil's amphetamine addiction. Although Don was addicted also, lately, not as badly. Seems for me a story again too. Now I've mentioned here that their popularity had waned in the US in the 60s. Although they were still popular, interestingly enough, in the UK, Canada and Australia with songs and albums reaching the top 40. Sometimes their own country doesn't take them back again, unfortunately. Now their contract with Warner Brothers ceased after 10 years and Don and Phil then pursued solo careers after a final performance in California in 1973 when actually both fed up with each other. Don remarked he was fed up with being an Everly brother. Phil smashed his guitar and walked off the stage. So I think that might have been the end of that. But as it turned out, it wasn't. Now, Phil wrote songs for two Clint Eastwood movies. I had to bring the movies into it somewhere, Josh. The two Clint Eastwood movies that he wrote for were Every Which Way But Loose in 1978 and Any Which Way You Can in 1980. They're the two I haven't seen. Where he has a monkey and that was one of them was the sequel. So they were both related. Right, OK. They decided that after their smashing guitars and saying we weren't Emily Brothers to be reunited in 1983 at the Royal Albert Hall. And they recorded a live LP, an actual single from that, which was called On the Wings of a Nightingale, made the US and UK chart. A 1981 live BBC performance featuring All I Have to Do Is Dream, featuring Cliff Richard and Phil, was a UK top 20 hit in 1994. I don't recall ever hearing that particular song. Now, they joined Simon Garfunkel in an old Friends reunion tour in 2003-2004. Interesting now, we're getting into the subjective territory here again, Josh. In 2015, the Rolling Stone magazine ranked the Everly Brothers as number one on its 20 greatest duos of all time. Yeah. I haven't seen the list, so you can probably jump in and have a look, but I said that was very subjective. As good as I thought that they were, perhaps number one might not be correct, but I'd have to have a look at some of the other yeah. people in it to see whether that might be right or not. You mentioned the old friends to us, Simon and Garfunkel, and they always said they owed a lot to the Everly Brothers. That's right. And as a matter of fact, at the end of this particular spell, I've got a little quote from Paul Simon, which just backs up what you said. Yeah. If you were doing duos, I'd actually, sorry, I'd put Simon and Garfunkel ahead of them. But anyway, yeah, well, me. But that would be one of the reasons why I would say, mm, maybe, maybe not. Now, they were inducted into the inaugural Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 1986, the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2001, the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1997, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame 2004, the Hollywood Walk of Fame star, and Don was inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum in 2019. And that was for the distinctive rhythm guitar intro into Wake Up Little Susie, I think we recall that one. Now, Rolling Stone magazine, again, they ranked them 33 on its 100th greatest artists of all time. Well, we'll let that one go, Josh. You can make up your own mind on that one. Now... Phil passed away on, he was the younger one, he passed away on the 3rd of January 2014, which is just before his 75th birthday, he died of lung cancer and he was a chronic smoker.
Don passed away of natural causes on the 21st of August 2021. He was age 84. We mentioned Simon and Garfunkel before. Paul Simon perhaps summed up the Everly's best for his comment after Phil's passing, and I quote, Phil and Don were the most beautiful sounding duo I have ever heard. Both voices pristine and soulful. They were there at the crossroads of country and rhythm and blues. They witnessed and were part of the birth of rock and roll. That's a pretty fair comment. Uh, he, he certainly had a lot of admiration, a lot of time for them. Now, song selections, of course, well, I mentioned 19 songs there in that list, Josh. So you could probably play any one of them and I wouldn't be unhappy. But probably, if I had to pick one, I'm probably just ahead of the rest. I would go for Kathy's Clown. That's probably my favourite Beverly Brothers song. So we'll go with that to start off with. Okay, here's Kathy's Clown by the Everly Brothers. And that was Kathy's Clown by the Everly Brothers, and you can tell how some of the Garfunkel were influenced by them. Yeah, well, the choice is problematic. I'll go with, and not in any order, Wake Up Little Susie, Walk Right Back, and I think I'll do Crying in the Rain. Okay. You tell me all I have to do is dream, but anyway. Well, if you to get out that too, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> if the are short enough, you can play an extra one. That's fine. All right. All good. And uh, anything else? Well, I think the Everly Brothers speak for themselves. Whether they're number one or number 101, they were still pretty good. And a lot of those songs certainly remain in the memory and they'll always be welcome listening in my house, I can tell you that. And a great lot of people to have in our little segment, I reckon. Yes. Well, thanks, Steve, and hopefully I'll be able to catch up next week. Well, it'll be good if we can make it two weeks in a row, Josh. That'd be good. I've just started, I'm halfway through my next one now, so, and, and I think it'll be might be an Australian group next week. Okay, cool. They give you plenty of choices, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. So yeah, I wonder. Group Australian. Mm. <laughs> Wait and see. Anyway, thanks, Steve, and take care. No cricket to watch now. No, well, yeah, I'm going to be a bit lost this weekend. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to be turning on. But <laughs> I might sit outside in the sunshine or go down and watch some local cricket, maybe. That might be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, thanks, Steve. Take, take care. Good health. Get rid of that cough and to everybody look after yourselves, and we'll catch up again next week. Okay. All the best. Take care, Steve. Thanks, mate. Have thanks. a good one. See you, bye. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.